Hey, let me jump on a couple things before we start, and um, uh, because I've been warning you about something that's going to happen, and it's going to happen a week from today, all right? So uh, those of you who are regular givers, and that means you give money to, to Freedom, you come in and you write your check. Those of you that aren't regular givers, what's up? What are you waiting on, all right? I mean, just, you know, honestly. Um, so next Sunday, uh, those of you regular givers, you know you come in and you're like, oh, I got to get, get my envelope and my check in the black box out there. The black box is going to mysteriously disappear this week. It's going to be involved in an airplane crash, and they're going to take the information from that and find out who was at fault, all right? So, uh, but, so the black box is going to be gone, and next week uh, we're going to have some folks, they're going to pass a bucket uh, and yes, it's buckets because we expect the giving to be so much, it's just going to have to be a bucket to hold all of it, right? No, I'm just kidding about that. That just seems to be something that will work for us. And so, uh, so next week, uh, we're going to have some folks passing that. want you to be prepared for that. Don't want you to come in and be surprised. Um, if you're worried about uh, how will I get my envelope and that kind of thing, there'll be people at the doors that will be handing out envelopes, handing out pens. So you can do that, and then that way worship will be, uh, offering will be incorporated into the worship service uh, as a way for you to uh, worship not only through singing, not only through greeting each other and listening to the word and learning, but also through actually giving your, your tithe, which is 10%, and your offerings, which are more than 10%, and both of those are biblical, and, uh, and so that's going to start next Sunday, just want you to, want you to be aware of that. Well, we're continuing with our, with our uh, message series that we've been working on throughout the month of September, and it's going to continue into October. Also, this series uh, is, is what we're studying every week in our life groups that are meeting throughout our community and different people's homes, and we're talking about The Christian Atheist, and uh, it's a book that, that a guy named Craig Groeschel wrote, and, and so we're, we're jumping off of some of those topics to, to talk about what we're talking about today, and and the idea is, is that for many of us, we say we're Christians, we say we're followers of Christ, but then the actual way we live our lives, people might would think that we don't even believe in God, that we're atheists by, by the way some of the, things, uh, some of the things we do. And we're going to talk about a subject today that for many of you, you probably didn't even know that it was a sin. And, uh, and so, so we're going we're gonna to jump into that. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, from time to time, people will send these emails out, um, you know, junk emails or different things, but they'll have these lists of, of actual laws that are on the books that are really out of date that you didn't even know were laws. I'll give you an example. There's an actual law in South Carolina, still on the books, that says if you are approaching a four-way intersection in a non-horse-drawn vehicle, um, you have to stop 100 feet before you get to that intersection and discharge a firearm into the air to allow any horse traffic to know you're coming so that you won't run over their horse and buggy with your uh, Hemi diesel, you know, F-250 or whatever it is that you're, that you're driving in. Now, you probably didn't even know that that was a law. And in fact, I broke that law this morning. I came up on a four-way stop. I pulled out my pistol, but I was out of ammo. So I wasn't able to fire a shot into the air. Thankfully, there were no horse-drawn buggies coming by. But that's a law. And, 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 th and that just, that's a whole other series of, of not messages, but uh, me ranting about the way government just passes laws and never repeals them. But anyway, but that's why those things are on the books. But today we're going to talk about something that's kind of like that in our lives. It's a, it's a sin. 
It, it's, a, it's a law. It's, it's something that we're supposed to obey, but we, a lot of us didn't even know it was on the books. We didn't even know that it was a real law. And in fact, it, it's, it's something that, that we've gotten comfortable with, and it's really become just kind of part of our lives. And, and for a lot of us, it's become part of who we are. And what we're going to talk about today is that I believe in God, but I still worry. I believe in God, but I still worry. Now, I know right now you're saying, wait, 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 Cliff. Worry is a sin? And you're probably saying, there's no way worry is a sin. Sins hurt other people. What, what does, who does worry hurt other than me? I, it can't be a sin. And maybe you're even thinking, now, Cliff, I know supposedly you've been to the cemetery and you've got a degree in, in, uh, in um, that's actually seminary, by the way, so don't go quote me. You know, you've got a degree in Bible and all that, but you're probably thinking, I've read the, the Ten Commandments, and nowhere in there does it say, thou shalt not worry. And so you're probably thinking, I'm making this whole thing up, that worry is, is even a sin. And, and, and the other thing is you probably would think to yourself, just because I worry, that doesn't mean it's a sin. It just shows that I really care. That's the reason I stay up all night, because I care about that, right? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 12. Verses 22, and I'm going to read 22 through 29, and then a little bit, a little bit later, I'm going to come back and tag on 30 and 31. So, so we're, going to, we're going to look at this. Luke 22 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Now, if you've got, I don't know what kind of Bible you've got, but if you've got uh, a Bible th like the way my Bible is printed, verse 22 there, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, then everything after that is in red ink, right? Some of you have Bibles where it has the words of Jesus printed in red ink. And by the way, that Bible's not any more holy than any other Bible. I'm just using it to make a point. Um, but so, so everything after it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are all the things Jesus said. So when Jesus said in verse 22, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, that's the words of Jesus. Now can we agree on something this morning? Can we agree that, that Jesus was God on earth, right? That's what the Bible teaches. That's what we teach that Jesus was God in the flesh. Can we also agree that Jesus was perfect? He never sinned. So therefore, he's God on earth. Everything he says is right. So if he says, do not worry, then that means if we do worry, then it's, it's not right. It's wrong. It's a sin. Jesus said, do not worry. Right, we're going to close in prayer. The band's going to come up. I mean, that's really all, we could just stop it right there, right? Jesus said, don't worry, that should be enough for us and we can end the whole day. But we're going to talk for a little bit more about what this means, about, about why we worry and, and all those kinds of things. Um, but, but the thing we need to remember at the very beginning is, Jesus has said, 
it doesn't make any sense to worry, and we shouldn't be worrying. So let's talk a little bit about that. One thing that I think we can learn from this is, is that worry tells God that we don't trust Him. Worry tells God we don't trust Him. Look at verse 22 there. It says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. These are basic things. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about prayer? And we talked about in the Lord's Prayer that, that Jesus said that we should ask, give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about how God cared about the basic needs of our life. And in right here in verse 22, again, he's making that same point. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to live. And I love in verse 24, he makes this comparison. And in verse 24, he says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. Yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable you are than birds. He's saying, listen, if God feeds the birds, and you are way more valuable than, than they are, you're way more important than the birds of the air are, and get, they always have a place to live, they always have something to eat, God cares about you, He cares about your basic needs. And, and if, you're, if you're a person that's just consumed with worry, or even if you're just a person that worries from time to time, but it's pretty serious when you do, I want you to remember today, I want you to walk out of here knowing today that God cares about every detail of your life. That you are a person of great value and worth to Him. It doesn't matter what your boss thinks about you. It doesn't matter what your ex-husband or your ex-wife thinks about you. It doesn't even matter what anybody else thinks about you. They might think you're worthless, but God thinks you have great value. You are a person of great value and great worth. And He cares about what you're going to eat. He cares about what you're going to wear. He cares about where you live. He cares about every detail of your life. Not only does He care about those things, but He cares beyond our physical well-being. He cares about your emotional well-being. And He cares about your relationships. And He cares about everything that you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. He cares about the place where you work and how you interact with those people and the place where you live and how you interact with those people. And the great thing is, not only does he care about all those things, but he's actively at work in each one of those situations. See, God didn't just create the universe and create you and then sit back and say, let's see how all this plays out. This ought to be interesting. He created us and then he's still at work. From the, from the time he finished creation, God still keeps his hand in the middle of what's going on here. And he's actively at work in your life. So not only does he care about you, but he's actively at work in your life. And so when we then worry about things, it's us saying to God, God, I don't, I don't believe you're, you're big enough to help me. God, I really don't trust you to deal with this situation. You know, it's, it's like we could even say, God, I know I've read the stories in the Bible. I know about all the miracles you've done. I hear Cliff and Donnie get up and rant and rave about how much you love us and all that stuff. But, but you can't handle this situation with my kid's math teacher. I've got to deal with that on my own. You just don't understand how it is, God. You can't, you can't handle this situation with me and my coworker or me and my, my mother who I haven't talked to in years or my kids that hate me or whatever. You, I'm worried about those things because, God, I've got to do it myself. My, my, my baby girl, uh, Grace, turned 10 yesterday. And we were talking... Uh, last night at supper, we were talking about our favorite memories of when she was little, and, and I didn't bring this one up, but one that I thought of is that she used to say, and, and 
she was like all little kids. They want to start doing things on their own, you know. But I think she started wanting to do some things on her own earlier because she has an older sister that's six years older than her that she wants to be like. And so she would want to start doing things the way Emily does. But what she would say is she'd say, my do it myself. Grace, can I help? No, my do it myself is what she would say. And, of course, we would let her try to do things herself. But now there were other things we would say, you, you can't do that yourself yet, right? And a lot of times it's like we're telling God, God, my do it myself. I, I just don't believe you can handle this, God. I've got to worry about this. I've got to think about it. I've got to figure it out on my own. I do it myself. And we carry that stuff around with us. Look at Psalm 139. There's two verses in Psalm 139 that chances are you've heard before. If you've, you've been in church or you've been on some kind of spiritual retreat, you've probably heard these verses. It says this. Verse 23 of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my, say this word with me, anxious thoughts. Anxious. Talking about the stuff we worry about. Then verse 24. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now I've read those verses a lot over the years. And I've never connected verse 23 and 24 together that much. Because when I read, search me, O God, and know my heart, okay, I connect that part. And then when I read 24, it says, see if there's any offensive way in me. I start thinking, okay, what's in my heart that's offensive? What is in my heart that I'm carrying around? So, you know, you think about things like, well, I might have hatred in my heart towards somebody, or lust, or, or, uh, or bitterness, or, or, or just uh, um, selfishness. I've got all these things, because we think about, man, those things are really offensive, God would be offended by the fact that I hate someone or he would be offended by the fact uh, th that I'm lusting for someone. And, and so we think about those things. Those things are offensive. But look, what does it say in verse 23? He specifically talks about the condition of our heart. And what does he say? Test me, and, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Have you ever thought about the fact that our worry, that God is offended by that? Verse 24, it says, see if there's any offensive way in me. When we worry about things on our own, when we carry it around and we act like God can't help us, we are offending God. It's an offense to Him for us to say to Him, God, I've got to handle this on my own. You can't do this for me. So worry is, is not just a bad habit. Worry is not just something we need to get rid of so we can sleep better. Worry is an offense to the all-powerful God. It's mocking God's power when we continue to worry over and over and over again. The second thing I think we can learn from these scriptures is that worry keeps us from doing God's work. Worry keeps us from doing God's work. Now, I just read you uh, Luke 12, 22 through, through 29. Now, I'm going to read you Luke 12 30 and 31 so at the end of 22 and 29 remember those verses jesus was saying don't worry about this stuff i'm going to provide your food i'm going to provide your housing all that kind of stuff and then it gets to verse 30 and he says this for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them now i'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on pagan world runs after all such things but don't we live in a in a society where people are running after those things every day they're, they're trying to get a better house, nicer house, better clothes, more of this, more of that, right? He says, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. Then verse 31, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. 
And I love it that Jesus has just taught us in those last scriptures, okay, you're not supposed to worry. But instead of just telling us not to worry, he says, let me tell you what you're supposed to be thinking about instead. Let me tell you where your focus should be. And he says that instead of focusing on those things, it should be on his kingdom. See, it, the verse 31 starts with but, right? But is an awesome word, all right? The, the, the B-U-T, but, that, that one is an awesome word. The other one is effective sometimes too, if you need to use it. But, but the B-U-T, the conjunction, is an awesome word because it's a conjunction that means it's offering a different option, right? For example, um, you, you show up at the GSP airport to go somewhere and they say, I'm sorry, sir, this flight is overbooked, but we've got a place in first class that you can ride there instead. Another option has opened up, and it's a great one, right? And Jesus is saying here, listen, you, you're going to worry about all these things. You're going to carry all this stuff around, but let me give you a different option. Instead of worrying about what you're going to eat, instead of worrying about what you're going to wear, seek my kingdom instead. Think about the things that I want you to be involved in. Seek my kingdom instead of worrying about those, those other things. See, if we're supposed to be focused on the kingdom of God, but instead we're worried all the time, what, what are we focusing on then? We're focusing on our own kingdom. We're focusing on this little kingdom we've built over here and how all that's going to work out. And Jesus says, don't spend your time focusing on the kingdom you've built because it's not going to last anyway. Spend your time focusing on my kingdom. And then I love it in verse 31. He says, and by the way, if you will spend all your time focusing on my kingdom, all that stuff you're trying to do with your other kingdom, you're going to get that stuff as well. Now, I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be driving a Lexus tomorrow, right? Because it doesn't work out that way. But what it means is if we focus on the kingdom of God, the needs that we have, for food and for shelter, those things are going to be taken care of. Those things are going to be taken care of as well. Now, let's get practical here. If worry keeps us from doing God's work, how does it keep us from doing God's work? Look at Proverbs 12, 25. It says, an anxious heart, in other words, a worried heart, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. An anxious heart weighs a man down. Now, I got a picture of somebody up here who's, a, who's an amazing athlete. Check this guy out right here. All right, anybody know who that is? It's Usain Bolt, right? He, uh, the last Olympics that we had, however, a couple years ago, the one where Michael Phelps won all the swimming medals, he won all the running stuff, the, the short distance running. He's from Jamaica, unbelievably fast, and uh, he broke world records. In fact, he was so fast that as he finished the 100-meter dash, he turned around and taunted the guys behind him and still broke the world record. I mean, it was just amazing. He's kind of cocky, but that's all right. And, uh, but now check him out. Look at his arms and all that kind of stuff. Dude's in good shape, isn't he? Now, imagine if, if he tried to run the 100-meter dash, but instead he looked like this guy right here. Now... That's Jabba the Hutt, right, from Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Now, Jabba the Hutt would not be as good at running the 100-meter dash as Usain Bolt. One reason, he doesn't have legs, okay? But, but that's not, we're getting into that right here. It's hard to slither as fast. But imagine if Usain Bolt, if, if he looked just like Jabba the Hutt, but he had legs, but everything else about him looked like Jabba the Hutt. Same size, same weight, right? All that kind of stuff. Is he going to be as fast 
at the 100-meter dash or 200-meter dash as he is if he looks like the way he really looks with his sculpted arms and flat abs and all that kind of stuff. No, he won't, will he? Why? Don't be afraid to say it. You're not offended. Jabba the Hutt's not a real person. You're not aff- Why would Jabba the Hutt not be as fast? Because he's fat. Yeah. He's carrying a little bit extra, right? I mean, he's been, he hasn't been eating at Subway with Jared and getting the all-veggie sub, right? He's been eating those little rats that he ate in the movie or whatever, and they must be very fattening. And so, so he's not going to do as good because he is weighed down. Now, Proverbs, we just read that it says an anxious heart weighs a man down. If you're carrying around worry, and you already know this to be true, I believe. If you're carrying around worry with you day after day after day, it's weighing you down. And there is no way that you can perform at the peak level that God intends for you to perform at. You trying to go through life and serve Jesus carrying worry around with you all the time would be like Usain Bolt putting on 250 pounds and expecting to be able to break a world record in the 100-meter dash. It's not going to happen. And so practically, just thinking about the way things work in the world, if you are always worrying about something, it's going to affect every area of your life. Now, I want us to transition here a little bit, and I want us to talk about a couple of things that we can do to try to attack worry in our life, to try to get worry out of our life. But before we do that, I want you to understand that, that what you need to know about worry is worry seeps into our life. It seeps in like a leak. That I, I don't know anyone who wakes up in the morning and says, man, I'm going to get some good worrying done today. Or I don't know anyone who sets out of their life and thinks, by the time I'm 40 years old, I just want to be so worried that I'm paralyzed and can't do anything. I mean, no one sets out like that, right? But what worry does is it seeps in. And it, it comes in a little by little. And it sneaks up on us. And I'll tell you that exactly how it works uh, uh, in my own life. That as I was preparing this message, which I prepared this message a few weeks ago, that in the middle of preparing this message, worry gripped me about different issues. And it gripped me so bad that I actually had to put this down and put it away and said, all right, I'm going to have to prepare the rest of that message next week. And wouldn't you know that the morning that I was coming into the office to prepare that message for that next week, a new, a new situation arose. And I sat there and it's the whole time as I worked on this message and finished it up, I fought worry. I had to fight it. I had to constantly pray. I had to stop and take breaks and ask God to help me because I was worrying about stuff that I had no control over. And I had allowed worry to seep in even as I was preparing a message to teach about how worry is a sin. That's how dangerous it is. So what will happen to you today, the reason I want to give you uh, two practical uh, steps for taking care of worry, what will happen to you today if you're not careful You'll walk out of here and you'll say, doggone it, Cliff is right. I worry too much. Worrying's wrong. I'm not going to worry anymore. And you're going to be bound and determined not to do it. And if I don't give you some practical steps of what to do, tomorrow morning you're going to get up and go to work and there's going to be an email waiting for you or there's going to be somebody on the job site waiting to talk to you and worry's going to jump back in and you're going to be back right where you started on. So let's talk about two ways that you can attack worry in your life. The first one is this. Make wise choices. 
make wise choices. Now, we did a whole series of messages at this church twice. Only time we've repeated a series of messages about making wise choices because I believe it's so important. Making wise choices. See, if you make a series of wise choices in your life, it's going to eliminate a lot of things you have to worry about. Now, we understand God said, I'm going to take care of your stuff. I'm going to take care of where you're going to live. I'm going to take care of what you're going to eat. And, and so it, it's not like we're trying to take back over what God's supposed to do. But when we, make God's cho- when we make wise choices, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, God, I will take responsibility for my life while at the same time trusting you to do what only you can do. See, if we say, well, hey, I trust God. He's going to feed me and you never go to work. That's not uh, trusting God. That's being stupid is what that's being, right? So we've got to make wise choices. And if we do, it will eliminate a lot of things we have to worry about. I'll give you an example. Um, One of the things that I don't have to worry about in my life is I don't have to worry about Sherry finding out that I've had multiple affairs and then her taking my golf clubs and beating me with them on Thanksgiving night. Now, Here's why I don't have to worry about that. One is, I've made wise choices not to have affairs. And two is, we don't have any golf clubs at our house. So, but because I make wise choices, I've chosen not to have an affair. I don't have to worry about Sherry finding out I've had an affair. If you refuse to gossip, then you don't have to worry about what anybody else is going to find out you've said about them. If you refuse to gamble, you don't have to worry about whether or not Brett Favre is going to throw three interceptions today because then you're going to lose 150 bucks on that game, right? So if we make a series of wise choices, it's going to eliminate a lot of the stuff we have to worry about in the first place. Now, as I say that, understand this. You remember when we did the Home Away From Home series before we started this Christian Atheist series and we talked about the life of Joseph? And we talked about how sometimes bad stuff just happens. Sometimes home is taken away. I mean, Joseph, through no fault of his own, all of a sudden one day he was a slave. And then through no fault of his own, all of a sudden one day he was in prison. And it it had nothing to do with any choice he had made. Even if you make wise choices, some bad things will still happen. People still get sick. People still lose their jobs. You, You still have to deal with selfish friends and family members. And so even as you control what you can control and take responsibility for your life, there might be some things that will come in that will grip your heart with worry. So what do you do then? After you make wise choices, the second thing is this. Think on the right things. Think on the right things. Philippians 4.8, I love this verse. It says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Notice it doesn't say in there, whatever is the hottest thing going today, whatever everybody else is talking about. It doesn't say anything about those things. And see, thinking on the right things and and understanding what this verse means is so important today because we live in the age where you can find out anything you want to know and more than you need to know and more than you want to know at the click of a button. 
And we live not only in the information age where you can find out all this bad stuff, but we live in a competitive media age where the media says, hey, we've got to get viewers. Let's take the biggest wacko and put them on TV and get people all riled up. And then the other, um, the other network says, we've got to get a bigger wacko and put them on TV so that the ratings will beat the first wacko that we put on television. And pretty soon, you've got all this stuff in your mind that you wouldn't have had to have worried about 20 years ago, and you start thinking about it, and you start worrying about it. A few years ago, several years ago now, I took Emily to the circus. Me and Sherry took Emily to the circus when she was little. And uh, before the circus started, we got there early, and they said, hey, if you're here, you can come down and pet an elephant. So like, cool, you know. We took Emily down there to pet an elephant, and it's walking around, and it was inside the ring thing, so you're standing on the outside, and they bring it over, and you can touch it. And we're standing there, and there's this woman standing behind me with her grandkid, and, and while we're standing there, I hear her say to her daughter, while, while they got, she's got her grandkid there, she says, oh, gosh, I hope this thing don't get out and start stampeding like I saw that one on the news do. And I thought, how sad it is. I mean, I'd never been that close to an elephant. She couldn't even enjoy it because some, some elephant somewhere stampeded people. And so now she's worried while she's saying, I can't enjoy this because an elephant stampeded one thing. This one might do the same thing, right? And that will happen to us when we fill our minds with all the garbage that the media feeds us. Now, I'm not saying be ignorant about what's going on. I'm not saying never watch the news. But what I'm saying is, if you get home from work and you turn on Fox News or MSNBC or you put the computer on and you start reading stuff and you do that from, from the time you get home to the time you go to bed, you're going to have a bunch of stuff to worry about that you don't even need to be carrying around with you. And you're thinking about things that are not noble, that are not true, that are not right, that are not pure, that are not lovely, that are not admirable or excellent or praiseworthy. You're not thinking about those things. You're thinking about whatever garbage somebody's fed you. And if you want to stop worry, we need to start thinking on the right things. Now, most of you, what you worry about is not necessarily what the media's giving you, but you're worried about the stuff that's in your own life, right? What he said to me or about me or the fact that there's job cuts coming in my industry. That's the stuff you're worried about. So how do we stop thinking about those things? Well, I love in verse 8 of Philippians 4.8 when it says, all those things, pure, tr excellent, praiseworthy. The last part, it says, think about such things. See, we have to make a choice that when those ideas come in our mind, oh my goodness, I'm going to get laid off. We've got to capture that thought. Immediately when it enters your mind, you need to stop what you're doing and you need to capture that thought. And you need the first thing you need to do is you need to pray. And you need to say, God, I know that this thought is not of you. I know that you didn't put this thought in my mind. I know that it's worry and it's going to kill me. And so I want to ask you to help me get over it. And so we've got to capture those thoughts and then begin to give them back to God. And then the second thing, and I know I tell you this all the time, but I'm going to continue to tell you until everybody's doing it all the time, read the Bible. Read the Bible. The Bible is true. The Bible is noble. The Bible is right. The Bible is pure. The Bible is lovely. The Bible is admirable. The Bible is excellent. The Bible is praiseworthy. You want to think about the right things? Unplug for a little while and read what the Bible has to say. 
And pretty soon what you'll find is, is that you don't think about worst case scenarios anymore. You think about opportunities that God might be giving you that he revealed to you in scripture. You want to seek his kingdom because that's what he told us to do. Don't run after all those other things. Instead, seek the kingdom of God. The best place to start doing that is by reading the scripture day after day. Not reading about the scripture, not reading a devotion book that has the scripture tagged on at the end, but reading the Bible itself. That's the best way to think about the right things. Now, we're going to finish up, and let me, let me just tell you what I want us to do. I want you to understand that what we've talked about today is not going to be easy to implement into your life. Since, since I worked on this message, I would be lying to you if I said, man, I've been worry-free. I've worried since then. And I've had to stop, and I've had to try to capture those thoughts, and I had to try to think on the right things. I had to review my choices and be sure I'm making wise choices. I had to go back to the Scripture. And it's going to happen to you too. It's not going to be easy. But you've got to make a decision that you're going to quit allowing worry to be your friend and decide that it's your enemy and you're going to attack it with everything you've got. Because a lot of us, we've gotten used to worry. We, that's what we are. We're a worrier. And we're okay with that. We've got to attack it. And then the second thing that I want to say to you is this, and I, and I don't want you to miss this. If you are carrying your own sin, and we talked about how an anxious heart weighs a man down, if you've never been forgiven of sin, if you've never asked Christ to come into your life and, and, and given your life to Him and believed that what He did on the cross was real, you're carrying your own sin, which is a lot worse than carrying your own worry. And you do have something to be worried about. Because when this life comes to an end, and it will come to an end, you're going to be separated from God forever. Everybody doesn't go to heaven just because they went to church. Unless you have given your life to Jesus and accepted what He can do, then you're going to be separated from God forever. And that is something that you ought to be worried about. And so if you're here today, it's not, and you haven't given your life to Jesus, it's not going to do you a lot of good to think about the right things and expect worry to get away, to go away. It's going to stay on you. You've got to give your heart, you've got to give your life to Jesus. And if you don't even know what that means, come ask me. Call me up this week. I'll come to you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you care about every aspect of our lives. Thank you that you're going to take care of our, our needs and that there's no reason we have to be worried. And that even if we worry, it's not going to do any good. You tell us in the scripture that we can't add a single hour to our life by worrying, so what good is it to do it? Lord, I pray specifically for those here today who have yet to turn their lives over to you. God, I just pray you'd break their hearts. They would understand that they need you. And there's no words I can speak that can convince them of that. But I pray your Holy Spirit would just bore into their souls and not allow them to be satisfied one more minute 
until they give their life to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.